Welcome to White Shores, the podcast for spiritual beings having a human experience. Let me invite you to walk once more beside me on White Shores to talk about the real meaning of life and the true power of what is unseen. Let's discuss dreams, intuition, manifesting, as above, so below, angels, afterlife, the science of consciousness, and other infinite possibilities within and all around you. I hope every episode informs, inspires, and illuminates. So, now the scene is set, allow the grey rain curtain of this world to roll back and all to turn to silver glass. Let's walk barefoot together on the gentle, glistening sands of white shores to see what mystery lies beyond the material. Thank you for arriving safely on White Shores and Beyond, a far green country under a swift sunrise. Are you old enough to read fairy stories again? I hope so. I know so because you are listening to White Shores After All, a podcast named after that epic fantasy tale, The Lord of the Rings, a fairy tale for all ages and times. You may think fairy stories are for children and you have outgrown them, but to reference C.S. Lewis, author and creator of the classic Narnia series, one day, when you fall in love with the healing power of fairy stories again, it is a sign that you are ready to grow. The true adventure of your life, the journey within, has begun. You are old enough to understand the deeper meanings beneath the surface narrative, how the fantasy battles in fairy stories mirror your inner struggles, the triumphs, your joys, and the defeats, your lessons. Fairy stories stand the test of time because, like tales of ancient mythical heroes and heroines, gods and goddesses and monsters and dragons, and fantasy epics like Lord of the Rings, they are all variations of the greatest story ever told, that of the hero's journey a universal story plan that has been used in fairy stories and ancient mythology for centuries. You see, the greatest story ever told isn't someone else's or something that you read out there. It is your own story. It is your own unique journey to self-awareness and personal growth wisdom, and spiritual awakening. It is recognizing yourself in the hero's journey and learning and forever growing and evolving alongside them. Joseph Campbell, a renowned mythologist, introduced this concept in his book, The Hero with a Thousand Faces, which has become a classic in the study of storytelling and personal growth. In essence, the hero's journey is a roadmap to your own spiritual awakening and evolution. The hero is your own 
inner voice, calling your name through your intuition by day and your dreams at night. It is urging you to answer that call to adventure, to go on a path of self-awareness and discovery from the inside out, to fill your life with meaning and a sense of destiny. Your inner voice urges you to grow intellectually and spiritually and find out who you truly are. Answering this inner call is magical. It is self-realization. Along the way, you are challenged to discover your own inner power and find that enlightening balance between the material and everyday and what is unseen and extraordinary. Much like the legendary heroes and heroines of Greek and Roman mythology, you will experience love, hate, failure, joy and challenge along your way to enlightenment. Though no hero's journey is perfect, you will eventually discover that you always have the power within you to rise again and again in cosmic alignment with your own inner hero. That's why reading fairy, fantasy and mythical stories is highly recommended for all spiritual seekers because you're going to come face to face with all aspects of yourself and your life in the pages of those stories. And not only does reading them kickstart your ability to think symbolically, that's looking beneath the obvious, the literal for deeper meaning, and therefore help you interpret your nocturnal dreams with greater clarity as the language of dreams is the language of symbols. But there is always a life lesson, a signpost and other hidden treasures to guide and inspire you in every epic tale. And the mark of a great story is that you can read it time and time again. And each time you return to it, it yields fresh insight and new perspectives. My special guest today is a wonderful mentor to encourage you to fall ever deeper in love with your own inner hero journey and embark on an epic voyage of understanding strength and ancient wisdom reinvented for today. He's a professional astrologist, tarot card reader and spiritual Counselor of the Healing Kingdom. His name is Leto Wang, and he lives and works in Hong Kong and was recently interviewed by BBC News about the spiritual energy of Chinese New Year. One of the wonders of podcasting is the opportunity to engage in conversations with people all over the world, and it's an absolute joy to talk to Leto today. He has been providing astrology, tarot and numerology readings for clients both locally in Hong Kong and overseas for the last decade. He was named the best astrologer and tarot specialist by Hong Kong Most Outstanding Business Award. He was named Spiritual Guide of the Year by Hong Kong's Living Magazine. And he was given the Hong Kong Influencer Award twice too. 
Wang is also a member of the Hong Kong Society of Counseling and Psychology, as well as a member of the Australian Counseling Association. Since 2011, Wang has been a lecturer of interpreting and translating Japanese at the Hong Kong University space. His own education includes a master's in counseling, a master's in translating and interpreting Chinese and English, an advanced diploma in applied astrology, and a bachelor's in English. Wow! (laughs) On their journey, the hero always meets a magical mentor and guide to shine a light in dark places when all other lights go out. And that is what Leto has dedicated his life to doing for his numerous clients and followers and readers, as he's also a published author. He has recently published an Oracle of Mythical Heroes pack, published by Beyond Words, Simon and Schuster. I hope his upcoming interview, where he discusses his work, his vision, and the ancient stories of Greek and Roman mythology, and how closely aligned they are to modern astrology and archetypes and life, will be an informative and illuminating listen for you. Do stay tuned afterwards if you can, as I will briefly share with you the ancient Roman myth that is currently guiding and motivating me, my work. Here's a fun intuitive test. See if you can guess what that myth is before you hear me share it after the interview. But first, it's high time now to roll the tape and listen to the healing and transformative ancient and modern wisdom of Leto Wang. Well, you've heard my introduction there, and I bet you're as excited as I am to talk to Leto. He's here today on White Shores. I couldn't be happier. Hello, Leto. Hi. Hello, Teresa. How are you? All the way from Hong Kong. That's amazing, isn't it? Here am I in Windsor, UK. <laughs> Whereabouts <laughs> are you based yeah. in? Right. So, yeah. Well, so I live on Hong Kong Island side. Yes. Oh, wow. And and that's where you have your your work and you you do everything. But you you do also have somewhere in the UK, don't you, where you practice? Because I was reading, doing my research on you that you also have a, a center in the UK. Is that correct? Oh uh, no, that's not me. <laughs> that's it's not you. That's not you. There's another later one. Yeah, correct. I, <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. I actually, because I'm precognitive, that will happen. <laughs> I can see it all over the world. Later centers. Um, but you are named best astrologer and tarot specialist in Hong Kong's most outstanding business awards. That is you, right? Correct. Yeah, that's me. Yes. That is correct. And you have <laughs> recently just published an oracle of mythic heroes. Correct, yes. With Beyond Words yes, Publishing. Which, yeah. yeah, which I am. Yes, Beyond Words. Um, um, I'm a huge fan of Beyond Words Publishing and they're, they're wonderful authors. And I know you're going to be no exception. But please, for people who are new to Leto Wang, um, could you just tell us a bit about your backstory um, and, and, you know, how you ended up doing what you're doing because it's quite unusual right yeah it's not you know, how on earth did this come to pass right well <laughs> it's gonna be a a long story actually but i'll try to make it as simple <laughs> i'll make it i'll try to make it as simple as possible yeah so uh well 
now I live in Hong Kong, right? So I've been here for uh, um, about 13 years, I think. Yeah. Um, but and originally I was born in a very, very traditional Chinese family. And uh, my early education uh, in my childhood and teenage years really revolved around the Orthodox uh, Chinese literature. Um, which is a, you know, a, a far cry from, you know, what I do now, you know, the Western, for example, um, mythology and astrology. Um, and I pretty much, uh, you know, grew up in, uh, in China until I finished high school. Um, but I just always felt something was, was kind of missing. Um, and I believe, believe a lot of people uh, can relate to that feeling, right? It's a little bit like I'm sitting in my home, but I need to look for my real home, you know, that kind of, um, energy. And so my thirst for uh, um, cross-cultural experience um, led me across the ocean to Japan for my undergraduate studies. And that was uh, when I was 18. Um, and I immersed myself in this, you know, utterly new environment, which is rich its own myth and legends. And Japan was really a game changer for me, which opened my, you know, my, my horizons and everything. And I was also very fortunate to meet a lot of amazing teachers and mentors um, whose knowledge and experience have taken me through life, to be honest. And I studied professional translation at that time um, and also interpretation. And, and all I wanted to do back then was to become an interpreter. Um, and then after that, I relocated to Australia to pursue my master's degree. And that's when the whole thing about spirituality, you know, some people say it's almost like your third eye opened at that time. Uh, because when I was living in Sydney, I met my first spiritual teacher. And that's how my uh, journey in the spiritual field really started. And I think that was when I was around 23 or 24. Yeah. Very young. And, and th that's when you founded uh, the Healing Kingdom. Uh, no. So at that time, I was still, let's say I was an apprentice. So I was really, you know, I was learning, I was studying uh, with my first astrology teacher. And when I first started professionally, uh, meaning that, you know, I was providing a service um, officially, that was about, uh, I would say 10 years ago. So when I was 29, you know, which coincided with my first Saturn return. Oh, the Saturn return. We hear so much about that these days, 29 and again at 55. Correct. And lucky yeah. enough in your 80s. Can, can I just detour a bit? We're going to go back to your story in a minute that Saturn return. Mm. Listeners who know that you know this is new to them could you just share your insights about it absolutely yeah so first of all um uh just to explain a little bit about what what saturn return is yeah um so we know we we live in this um our solar system and a lot of the planets are orbiting around the sun and for example for the earth it, it takes about 365 days for the earth to finish one orbit but for saturn because it's a planet that is so far away from us, it takes about 28, 29 years-ish to finish one orbit, meaning that usually when we turn the age of 29, um, 28, 29-ish, um, Saturn has returned to its original position when we were born. And usually, astrologically speaking, that's talking about a complete, a complete journey of Saturn. And now people might ask, what does that mean to me, right, specifically? Well, Saturn in astrology is about maturity. It's about understanding. You know, in ancient Roman mythology, it was a god of agriculture and time. And so in ancient days, um, you know, Saturn as a god would fly down from the heaven and they would help the farmers um, harvest the crops, right? And so the farmers can clean the field and 
plant seeds and prepare for the next year. So the whole concept of Saturn return is about harvest and think about what we are ready to plant for the next year. And so usually people around their Saturn return um, age or time, um, they will start to think about what do I ready to move on to? What am I ready to harvest? And what am I ready to do for the next year? It's a little bit like that kind of concept, yeah. Is it a little bit that you you start to have your own voice as well, that, you you know, maybe the expectations of others, society up until the age of 29 mm. is dominant? But around then you began to think, hey, what do I think? 100%, um, yeah. You know, because Saturn being calmer, the teacher. And then again, I know this is a long way ahead for you, but for people in their late 50s, mm. Um, <laughs> what you know? What does it happen again? Correct. This, this, yeah. So, so yeah. So you know, if we look at Saturn, if we can imagine, yeah, there is a Saturn calendar. So people around the age of fifty-six to you know fifty-eight, around that period of time, uh, they're having their sec- second Saturn birthday, right? And we're looking at we're we're comparing that with the twenty-eight, twenty-nine years old. Because that's the age when we probably most of people have worked for a few years after their university. They have tried to be a full-fledged person in the society. And that's a time when they had an awakening about, am I really ready to do this? Uh, Do I want to continue this career path or do I want to change? Or am I ready to get married? Or am I ready to walk out of a relationship that has been so immature? Uh, And when people are Turn, let's say, having their second Saturn return. And I think that's usually the time when their children are becoming more grown-ups, right? Maybe their children are leaving home to go to university, or um, maybe they are also thinking about retirement. And so that's the second time when they are having that type of, let's say, awakening uh, or reveal within themselves. And then I know we're leapfrogging into the future, the third one, right? Mm. The third one your 80s if if you are lucky enough to experience that correct then satin want you to know because a lot of people think when they get older i've learned everything Mm. but that's not the case right that's a very interesting question yeah so uh first of all actually in my family tree (laughs) i haven't seen the third saturn return in any of my uh, family members (laughs) that they you know my grandparents all passed away very early um, so, uh, for me, I think the third Saturn return around, you know, we're really talking about nearly 90 years old, right? 80, you know, this is, let's say the second half of their eighties. Uh, and I think that's a time when we're having a review of life in general. So this is about, okay, I've lived, you know, 80 years or 80 something. And this is also coincide with your first Uranus return. Uranus takes about 82, 83, 84 years to finish one orbit around the sun. So this is a little bit like a double effect there. What are they seeing, you know, pretty much their whole life, what they have already harvested? And and then, you know, it's almost like learning lessons. In a way, it's a little bit like, okay, what about my next life? But of course, you know, uh, we don't really think about that. But it's a little bit like, hmm. Pre, you know, looking at our lives so far and understand, you know, things from a much higher perspective. Fascinating. And it is a, a privilege, actually, to experience your third Saturn return. Yeah, it's not <laughs> correct. Yeah, it's not very common, connect. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and to connect to your spiritual essence. But I'm asking, of course, because political leaders in the world, as you know, especially in the United States, are getting older and older. Correct. Yeah. So, you know, we may well have, you know, people in power going through their third mm. 
expect in return. And I think that that's fascinating. And I hope you comment a lot about that. If that <laughs> I'm not sure if they will listen to me, though. But uh, well, I hope you know. Yeah. <laughs> I hope they will. They will. They, you know, they will tap into you know their spirituality more. Um, you know, people because I do feel that you know, let's say people working in this field, right? Uh, we are more. Aware of um, of our intuition, of our uh, subconscious, um, you know that part of our, our brain. But I feel that still um, there is a lack of, let's say, gender education uh, across the world, right? And, and I mean, in school, we never learn spirituality. When did I take a class in school teaching me, you know, about spirituality, meditation? You know, it was very much uh, neglected. I think that part of the education. Hopefully, you know, one day the world will be open, open-minded enough, right, to do that. I dream of a day like you, where meditation, dream decoding, even astrology—that sense of the inner world—yeah, um, yeah. you know, your inner being is taught in school because it literally can save your life. Because when life is t- life is cruel and unfair, often, and if you haven't got that inner strength, you haven't built up that sense of spiritual identity, mm. you can can't you and and i hope that is the way of the future 100%, and in terms yeah. of politics you know obviously in ancient times having a, a court astrologer or mm. <laughs> advisor, you know the way they, all the kings and political leaders would have had that so maybe we'll go full circle one day and people will you know look for um guides and intuitive guides but anyway back to the story of Leto. i'm so sorry i've detoured there um can we talk about the healing kingdom i love that name oh thank you uh, <laughs> where did the where did the inspiration for that come did it just eureka moment when you thought that's the name of my spiritual future um okay so um, how do i describe this i mean actually before i uh, i started this um my spiritual career uh, i did work in the corporate world for um quite a few years you know i was working in uh, technology and also worked in finance um and of course you know that's the the expectations from from you know society from the parents um you know no you know i believe that at least in my culture no parents would say i want my kid to become a reader you know what I mean? To be a card reader and things like that. I just, it just doesn't happen. Uh, either you're expected to be a lawyer or you, you're expected to be a yeah, doctor, or at least you need to be a banker. You need to wear a suit. You need to go banker. to, yeah, you need to be working in the office in IFC, right? Which is a, the tallest building in Hong Kong, right? I mean, International Finance Center. You wear a beautiful suit and you look sharp every day, right? And, um, but my, my early 20s was really about that. It was about fulfilling that dream from the society. Uh, and also, you know, just to, just to show appreciation to, to my parents, you know, the, the money and the time they have invested in educating me. And, um, but I never really found my fulfillment, no matter how much I try. Um, and what I really found... Um, Let's say what made me really feel happy was when I was feeling I was providing a useful service to, to the people around me. And slowly, you know, through studying astrology with my first astrology teacher, I realized that I was actually born with my North Node in conjunction with Chiron, which, who was a, um, um, uh, a centaur and who was a, a wounded healer from Greek mythology. And that's when I was able to connect the dots 
between my child and this inner urge inside me and trying to do the healing work. And that's why I put the, uh, um, the name healing actually in the, in my brand. And also when I was studying tarot, I was very much, uh, I felt very connected to the card of the King of Cups. And, you know, of course, this also has a lot to do with um, the uh, um, the related um, astrological figure whose name was Orpheus. Um, his story was very much related to the King of Cups. And that's why I put the kingdom there. So there you go, the healing kingdom. <laughs> I love the game. It's just got, got, a, got a real ring to it. But you mentioned your parents there. I mean, how... Did they react to you making this decision to not go down the conventional route? Mm. Well, it took it. Yeah, it took me many, many years. Actually, um, I didn't tell them for a long time because I knew that if I had told them, um, it, it wouldn't be good for them anyway because they would be worried, they will feel anxious, and they will probably assume that I was making a mistake because I was already working. Uh, in a very stable job in a finance company. And to tell them that I decided to change my career path from um, I've, you know, working in finance to being a, a spiritual counselor for them, it's, you know, I, I didn't think they were able to handle that change anyway, uh, that, to see that change in me, yeah, let's say. But the interesting thing is I never really changed. I've always just been me. <laughs> I, so it's just about, you know, they just need to, I, I really gave them a lot of time to, uh, um, uh, to be ready for this idea, actually. So I only told them after five years, I started the, the Healing Kingdom. And, um, and during that period of time, I was also well working, you know, a, a full-time job in the finance company. And I was also doing my uh, uh, master program, uh, my second master degree in counseling. And after I finished all this whole thing, I finally presented the result to them. And I said, I hope you will understand my decision. And that's how they kind of accepted yeah, this, this idea. Uh, oh, fascinating. And, and you're mentioning there your master's in counseling, your business background, your, your spiritual training. It's fantastic for your clients because, you, you know, you bring all this together. Yeah. Because not a criticism, but a lot of people who work in the mystical field, they don't tend to have a very practical background, I, really. It's, uh, yeah. it's kind of like head in the clouds, really. But you kind of bring it, you know, you, you can see the best of both worlds. You have your foot in both worlds, which mm. what you we need, isn't it? Yeah, when you're yeah. Getting, you don't want it just all oh, going away and just consult your astrology charts. It's also the practical as well. Absolutely. I, I think a lot of us who true who have you know chosen this path is because we are attracted to the work of healing, right? We're attracted to the art of healing. Um, but a lot of, especially a lot of the, the even the clients that I have um, counseled, um, some of them are saying, you know, they want to be a healer, they want to um, be a you know a reader, they want to be a Reiki master, you know, all these kind of things. Uh, and the first thing I'll well I'll tell them is the passion is great. But let's study it first, because you can't heal people where you don't have the basic knowledge of counseling mm. or um, the basic idea about, let's say, cognitive behavior therapy. Right. Um, uh, all these kind of, you know, uh, scientific things you do have to study. And this is also something that I really um, admire about you, because I know that you worked with a lot of scientists. 
And I know that mm-hmm. you have worked with a lot of um, uh, psychologists and the researchers. And I really think that in order for us to bring the best to our clients and to this to this world is to combine these two things together: the mystical, the intuitive part um, of 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 the, this, you know, the healing art. But the other part is is a scientific knowledge, is a research, is you know what the, the the psychologists have studied actually with data, you know, all these kind of things. I agree. I think we you, you need we need both. Um, and I think going too much in one direction, that's where problems start. It's fi- finding balance. Mm. And you, you offer that with your readings. Could you tell me when someone comes to you for a reading, I mean, do they book in specifically for I want astrology or I want tarot? Or do they come with a question and you sort of intuitively sense? That's a, that's a, <laughs> that's a great question, Teresa. I love that question so much. Um, so no. So usually, you know, some readers, right, when you look at their website and they will say for astrology reading, this is how much I charge. If I want a tarot reading, this is how much I charge, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. For me, I don't really separate them. I look at a client and as, mm, well, let's say the purpose of the session is not really about picking a certain tool for them, but it's more about we want to f- find solutions to the um, to your problems, questions where we want to break through, right? A, a blockage that you're have you're having, and whatever method that we're using, this could be about from you know by astrology. This could be about. Uh, using tarot. This could be about using oracle cards, or sometimes this could even be about numerology. I would use whatever ways that I think that is most appropriate for the client. And But the purpose of the session is to resolve the questions they have. Fascinating. Would you mind giving me an example of how you would help someone, you know, mm. a, a case, something that was that stood out for you right so let's say for example at the very beginning of the session that i would say that maybe the first 10 to 15 minutes maximum i would say 15 minutes it's more about um let's say the the question raising right so i i would want to listen to my clients i want them to open up to talk about the questions and the issue that they're having um, because the first, you know, 10 minutes and 15 minutes, I, I like to have this two-way communication. I want to know where is the pain point for them. And then after that, we're going to have a little bit diagnosis. So I will know what is the, the thing that is really blocked in there. And then that, the next part is really comes from my, um, really comes from my intuition. It's, I feel I'm drawn to whatever method that is the best way to help the client. Sometimes I will just go straight into tarot reading. Sometimes I might not do tarot reading at all. I will use astrology. I will talk about, you know, I will even use mythological stories with a client. And so that's why sometimes, um, the clients might get a little bit, you know, they might ask me, oh, how come last time we used tarot, but this time we're not using tarot? You know, we're using different tool. And this is, you know, and then I'll explain to them. The, the, the reading itself is not a tarot reading. It's a counseling session. We're doing your spiritual counseling and whatever way that is best for you now, we're going to use that to help you. That, that is absolutely awesome. Thank you, Leto. Um, White Shores, we're, it's a UK based podcast but it does go all around the world and I feel absolutely blessed got so many US listeners now um can I just ask you because you've mentioned into your intuition a lot Mm. you clearly are intuitive that's how what you feel 
listeners of White Shores, listening to your episode right now, what they should focus their spiritual growth on, their their personal growth, um, something intuitively that you feel they need to hear from you. Um, uh, sorry, did you mean uh, how? Um, what's my advice for them to to do to do? Yeah, just something intuitively. You think? I mean, I could say like you know some steps for well-being or, or mm-hmm. something that you feel just feel called. Listeners of White Shores, this is what I feel called to say to you now. Just so it's almost like that you're speaking directly to them. Okay. Mm, well, usually, um, I, I can speak from my perspective. Yeah. Um, I developed my strong sense of intuition actually through mythology study. And um, it's not like, you know, someday I wake up and I just had this strong intuition. And I think a lot of us, we also experience this ups and downs. Sometimes, you know, there are period of time in our life that we're feeling extremely intuitive. Um, we hear things in our, you know, in our mind and we just, we just know what's happening. And there are certain times we lose our, you know, our connection with our intuitive self. And I think that happens, you know, uh, from time to time, and I don't think there's anything we need to be worried about um, about, about that, yeah, because we're all sometimes we feel it, sometimes we don't. Um, but personally, I I I can sense a lot of um, the energy in my clients through um, through using mythology, and that is the reason why for the first um, oracle cards that I developed is called Oracle of the Mythic Heroes, because I really believe that we are the myth, we are the same as our ancestors. And so through reading the stories and applying those stories to our daily life, and I think that's how I, I can um, really connect with uh, my clients in, at a very intuitive level. So are you saying rather like, you know, we have astrological sign, uh, signs right? that we, we also have um, heroes, mythical heroes that mm-hmm. can, can to us at moments in our lives and we you need to, like the hero's journey isn't it in right. a way, that's what you mm. of course we were connected through your mythic hero oracle which is beautiful by the way congratulations to you and beyond words publishing done a beautiful job um absolutely beautiful and that's what you are encouraging people to do to use these cards to find their hero <laughs> within themselves um I think it's, well, of course, yeah, finding our inner hero, I think it is important, yeah, but that's not really the purpose, I think. I don't think we need to have one, let's say, you know, a hero that we worship uh, in our mind and our whole life is trying to become that hero. Uh, For some people, that works. Um, It's just like a little kid might be dreaming about becoming Superman or Batman, right? And they will wear their costumes. And I think it works for some people if they have that idol um, in their mind. But I don't think it's about becoming the hero, but it's more about understanding the uh, the experience of the hero. Because what is, fa- yeah, because what is fascinating about uh, Greek mythology is the heroes, none of them are godlike, even if they're demigod. People like, you know, Achilles or um, Hercules. Um, they are uh, mortal, you know, they die um, at the end of the story. And so they are not like, um, you know, a, a, um, omnipotent God, you know, in the sky and they're all perfect. And I, I'm, I really feel that it's this experience and the journey they have and give us very fascinating hints about what's happening around us. Um, I can give you a very quick example, yeah. 
like for yeah, for example, I was reading this um because I you know I read those meat stories you know again and again and again, and just recently I was reading again about the uh, the story um about Athetes and and uh, Achilles. Thetis is the mother of Achilles. Yeah, um, she um she was a goddess, but she uh married a mortal king but Achilles was from was from the uh you know Achilles father was actually Zeus so Achilles was well, he was born as a demigod he was not the full god uh, but Thetis always felt a little bit weird about it and she wanted to make her son divine so she took Achilles when she, he was still a baby to the river Styx and she put him into the river let the water make him sacred but of course, she had to hold his heel, right, when she did that. And that part that was covered by her hand, um, which was Achilles' heel, uh, was untouched by, by the sacred water. And so that's why we have the expression, right, Achilles' heel. That means it's his weakness. And that part was never divine. That part was the mortal part. And then I had a client the other day, and she was talking about um, her anxiety towards her children. And she said she had so much expectations and she wants to give her children the best, but somehow her kid could not do that. And I said, why? And she said, because my kid has been diagnosed with an autism. And she said, but, you know, I, I don't want my child to be different from other children. I don't want to send my kid to a autistic school, right? To be with other autistic kids. I want my kid to go to a normal school. And suddenly in my mind, I had this connection between her and Thetis. Because as a parent, we all want our child to be divine. We all want our child to be different and better than other kids. But maybe sometimes it is this natural urge in us, just like Thetis holding Achilles' heel and dipped him into the river, maybe that be- would become our biggest weakness. And so sometimes by learning those stories and reading those stories, I really feel that's when we get, get the guidance. So should we become Thetis or should we become Achilles? I don't think that's the point. But the point is more about their action and their experience and their attitude towards life and how similar we are, even though we are thousands of years apart. Profound life wisdom, isn't it, in in, in the Greek and, and Roman myths. And, and I love the way that you've connected it all to astrology, lunar cycles as well. Thank you. Um, mm. and, and how you, you know, and this is interesting because I was asking you to what um, listeners of White Shore should in should hear from you what your intuition said and you went right to the mythology is there one story now that you would urge listeners of white shores to go away and read after um, listening to you well to be honest there are so many fascinating stories um i would um of course it, i think it depends on um our audience age uh, what you know i don't know if we have a lot of maybe teenage teenagers listening to the podcast ages all sorts here but they just have a you know the uniting theme is spirituality yeah. interested in the spiritual awakening so just one story that you would suggest that they go away and read because i love people to listen to an episode and then have something immediately to do after interesting okay so i would say uh let's use my favorite character in uh, in greek mythology and his name is orpheus 
Um, Orf- so I'm sure you have, um, you know, you know this name. Yeah. So Orpheus, he was an, a legendary musician um, in Greek mythology. He plays uh, a lyre. And he was so talented, um, you know, when he played the music, uh, trees and rocks would even, you know, move around um, for him because the music was just so uh, amazing and sensational. Uh, he fell in love uh, with a woman whose name was Eurydice. Um, and, um, but very tragically, on their wedding day, Eurydice was um, beaten by a poisonous snake. And so she passed away. Um, Orpheus couldn't accept it. He, he was so sad um, that he descended into the underworld to see the god of the underworld, whose name was Hades. He said, I'd like to have my wife back. Please keep her back to me. We're getting married today. And Hades said, well, how about this? I heard you're famous. You're a musician. Why don't you play a song for me? If I like the song, I'll consider giving your wife back to you. So Orpheus played this beautiful song and he really impressed Hades. And Hades said, okay, fine, I'll give your wife back to you, but there's only one condition. I will make sure that your wife, um, Eurydice's soul, would follow you step by step back to the mortal world, but you cannot look back at her until you reach the sunlight. You just have to trust me. Um, Orpheus said, okay, I will do that. So he started to walk towards um, the, en- the, uh, the exit of the underworld. But it was very um, strange for him because he couldn't hear anything behind him. He was expecting to hear some kind of footsteps or whatever yeah, following him. But he was walking in dead silence. And so just one step away from the sunlight, he lost the trust. He just wanted to make sure that his wife was there. He turned around. He saw Eurydice for one second, and then her soul dispersed into smoke. And Orpheus was banned from going into the underworld ever again. Now, this story sounds very tragic at the end because he couldn't save um, his wife. But I really feel that sometimes we see this, the, the Orpheus type of you know, individuals in our life a lot. First of all, Orpheus, he is a healer because he played beautiful music not for the purpose of entertainment, um, but for the purpose of healing. He played music to heal people's hearts, and that is the reason why in the book, um, the card for Orpheus, um, he rules um, the constellation sign of Cancer rather than Leo, because Leo is more to deal with creativity and performance, but Cancer is, is a watery sign, right? It's, a, it's about um, the nurturing and the healing part of our human psychology. And a lot of us experience this in life. We are, we have, um, um, uh, we have experienced tremendous, uh, you know, trauma, right? Difficult experience in life, just like what Orpheus did. He lost his wife and he couldn't save her. But just because, but because of those beautiful, ex- um, these uh, difficult experiences, we could make ourselves a healer. And that is also exactly what um, Orpheus did. He was a wounded healer. He couldn't save his own wife, but his beautiful music actually healed millions of people. This is the first thing that I want to say. A lot of people, I believe they can connect with. And the second thing about it is that on the surface, he couldn't trust Hades when Hades promised him his wife would, would be behind him. Um, and I think in our psychology, Hades as the god of the underworld actually is talking about um, our deep psychological 
part, yeah, that, that kind of deep and dark part in our mind that we can, we don't know if we should uh, tap into. And I really feel that that sometimes is talking about our subconsciousness. And so Orpheus, not trusting Hades to me, is about us not trusting our subconscious realm. We have to look back all the time. We have to make sure that it is there, right? And so I also think that his story is teaching us how we should trust at, you know, our own subconscious realm rather than keep looking back and asking for validation or, um, or confirmation. Wow, that was mesmerizing. Of course, it's doubt, isn't it? And fear that often stops us in our tracks because fear and love can't coexist. Um, absolutely beautiful. And if you've been mesmerized listening to Leto, please do check him out and, and especially his mythic hero, Oracle, because it will be like you get these stories and more and more of them um, to learn and grow from because all of these stories have morals, lessons, blessings for you to apply to your own life. Um, um, so what's the best way for people to connect to you, Leto? Right. So uh, people can find me. Uh, I have an official uh, Instagram account. Uh, it's Letao Wang, L-E-T-A-O-W-A-N-G. Uh, or um, they can also find me um, through my official website, which is www.thehealingkingdom.com www.thehealingkingdom.com correct and as well as uh, you're on instagram that's 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 what you said yes you're on instagram yes absolutely um so do do check check leto out and i'm sure i saw on your instagram that you were on bbc recently that's probably why i thought you were here in ah uh, yes yes i was yeah but i was in hong kong <laughs> it was uh, online yeah yeah interview well, yeah, though, yeah. Talking about obviously chinese new year of the dragon correct we haven't even gone that and, and Chinese astrology and everything is so much you are um have, uh, such a, a source of profound wisdom Leto I could talk to you for hours but unfortunately this podcast is coming to a close now um and I've, I've absolutely loved every moment listening to you thank you and I know my listeners will too and I'm just going to ask you one question at the end mm. um for when people search you out, they've heard your voice and you can, you know, sense a lot about a person from a voice. But to give them a visual image, which mythical hero mm. do you most identify with? Me personally? Me personally? <laughs> well, uh, that has changed a lot. Um, I would say at the very beginning um, part of my journey, I was definitely, um, uh, I felt like an Orpheus. To be honest, yeah. So, which you know, I just talked about his story, but now um, I feel more and more Hercules. <laughs> Strength, Hercules. That's brilliant. That's Absolutely. brilliant. Just to say why, 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 why do, you, do you feel like you're channeling Hercules? That energy, because I really feel that I need to draw, draw his strength. And I really think <laughs> that it's it's really the strength coming from within, and it's the difficult thing for everyone. And I, because, you know, Hercules, uh, I, I'll just quickly talk about this if you don't mind, if you don't mind. No, please, please. You know, sometimes when we go through difficulties, one of the, the most, um, uh, let's say, regular thing that I've heard from my clients, let's say they have been going through a difficult time and they will say, I didn't do anything wrong. Why do I deserve this? Why do I have to experience this suffering? I didn't do anything wrong. It's not my fault. 
right? And so sometimes we tend to connect um, our human suffering with the so-called justice, meaning that if I'm suffering from something, it means I've done something wrong in the past, and that's why I'm being punished for doing that, right? Sometimes our brain tends to think like that. But Hercules' story actually tells us that suffering sometimes is just a normal part of life. It doesn't mean that you have to do something wrong. For example, Hercules, when he was born, he was innocent baby. But somehow, you know, his father's wife, right? His father is Zeus. Zeus' wife is Hera. Hera persecuted him his whole life. He didn't do anything wrong. It was Zeus having an affair with Hercules' mother, and he was born. Why did he have to be punished, and have, why did he have to be persecuted as a baby, right? And I think that's really about that kind of inner strength we have. Sometimes we look at life with all that suffering and difficulties and heart-wrenching experiences, but we have to somehow understand that it's not about let's say justice, it's also not about revenge at a, at a very superficial level. Sometimes we're just telling us that suffering is a part of life and we are learning important lessons through those difficult experiences. And that's why I like Hercules so much. Wow, it's, it's lear- finding learning and meaning when there is suffering because suffering does happen, bad things happen to good people. 100%, all yeah. Time. And, and it's how you, your perspective on that suffering, right. how you can your inner self find meaning there isn't it it's finding yes. meaning in in suffering that's what you're talking about what Absolutely, a profound yeah. way to close this interview Leito Wang thank you from my heart and soul for your time today thank you so much Theresa for having me today yeah thank you do hope that interview spoke to you and if it did that you will seek out Leto and his work all details in the show notes Now, at the beginning of the episode, I promised to share which Roman myth is currently inspiring me, and it is the myth of the god Janus. Janus is one of the most important ancient Roman gods, commonly represented as a man with two faces, one looking ahead and one looking behind. He was the god of gates and doors. He held the key, so to speak, to the metaphorical doors or gateways between what was and what is to come. The liminal space of transitioning out of one period of time and into something new. Janus frequently symbolizes change and transitions, such as the progress of past to future, from one condition to another, from one vision to another, from one dream to another, and young people's growth to adulthood and beyond. He represents time because he can see into the past with one face and into the future with the other, but he's also standing in the present. Hence, Janus was worshipped at the beginnings of the harvest and planting times, as well as at marriages, deaths and other new beginnings. The month of January, the beginning of the new year, is named after Janus, symbolising his role as the god of new beginnings and transitions. But what draws me to his story right now is the timelessness he embodies. The notion that the future is always alive in the present and the past, and that there is an infinite part of you that can transcend time 
And that part is your soul, your spirit, your inner spark. You meet that inner part of you every night in your dreams and also in every present moment when you are awake. Every new breath you take is a new beginning, an opportunity for rebirth, an opportunity to learn and grow in hindsight from the lessons of your past. The past, remember, is always alive within you, in your memories, but it also offers a priceless chance to reflect on the future you are creating right now or foreshadowing by the choices you are making with your perspective in your presence. In essence, Janus symbolizes to me my belief that past, present and future likely happen all at once. It's the motivational power of your future or higher self forever encouraging you to look ahead with optimism and learn and grow from your past, look back in hindsight and grow in wisdom from it. But more so, it's about looking ahead to your future self with confidence and joy and knowing that your future self is always right here, right now. It's hidden in your present, quietly watching over you and wanting you to discover your own inner magic and impress yourself time and time again as you navigate your own extraordinary hero's journey. Thank you from my heart and soul for being here and walking beside me in spirit on white shores. Sensitive, kind, compassionate souls like you who see beyond the material are needed more than ever today to help this earth heal and evolve. If you have any questions, stories or insights to share, I absolutely love hearing from you and aim to reply to everyone in due course. My website is www.theresachung.com. My contact email is angeltalk710 at aol.com. And you can message me via my Instagram handle, thetheresachung, as well as my Facebook and Twitter author pages. Until we meet again on these white shores, keep being amazing spiritual you, sending my eternal love and gratitude.